2: And it is 8.06 in downtown St. Louis. KMOX is at your service this evening. I'm George Sells, in for the vacationing St. Louis Cardinals. They'll be back with you on Friday night. But tonight we'll be here from 8 to 11, all sorts of stuff to talk about. Let's take a look here, kind of, as we go down the rundown a little bit, as far as what we'll be talking about as we move through the evening. We're going to be speaking with somebody from, barnes jewish hospital one of the doctors over there he's a pediatrician he's going to tell us a little bit about his thoughts and concerns as we get towards school starting again with some people vaccinated and too many people not vaccinated talk about the risk to your kids among other things also bottom of the hour we're going to hear from mike florio he's with profootballtalk.com which is kind of the bible of the behind the scenes nfl stuff uh these guys Peter King, who you may have heard of, a big NFL guy. They've got the inside scoop on a lot of things. And we're talking to Mike specifically about this lawsuit between St. Louis and the Rams and just how nervous some of the NFL owners are getting. we are talking about the job market later on in this hour. Folks from uh, JobNewsUSA.com are putting on a job fair here in the St. Louis area tomorrow trying to help. These different companies, businesses, everybody try to get some workers. Too many vacancies out there and not not enough folks filling them. And that's kind of what takes me. We're going to go from there to where I begin tonight. And uh, this was one of the alerts that came up over my phone just an hour or two ago from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. And if you live in the city, this is about your garbage. Garbage is important. We all care about our garbage. A lot of people care very deeply about recycling, and those people in particular will not be happy to hear what is coming, at least for the near term, in the city of St. Louis. Basically, those recycling dumpsters and garbage dumpsters that you have out in your alley if you live in many locations in the city, they're just going to dump them all in one truck. They don't have time to send two trucks through to separate the recycling from the trash, which means the whole concept of recycling is going right into the dumpster, so to speak, at least in the city of St. Louis for the near term. And the reason is very simple. According to uh, Todd Waterman, the streets, head of streets and refuse division, he says they're simply short on people. They were short on people before the pandemic and they're even more short on people now. The, 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 according to the Post Dispatch, the division has 146 full-time positions allocated. Thirty of those are vacant, and a dozen part-time positions are also open. So, you think about that a second. It may, Thirty or forty people may not sound like much, but when you only have 146 full-time positions normally, you know you're getting into the 20 to 30 percent range. I've always been told not to do math on live radio, especially when you're a journalism major, but take my word for it. It's a lot. <laughs> I think you can all figure that out. And uh, that's going to be a real problem in the city of St. Louis until they can get those positions filled. The The entire city has been having this trouble for some time. And again, all this goes back really before the COVID pandemic. They, there have been a number of unfilled positions in the city for some time now. And in fact, in the city 800 civil service workers are needed in the city right now. The vacancies making up about 15% of all the jobs in the city of St. Louis. So if you're looking for a job, I would say that's where you go. However, the curveball to that and the thing that's been a problem for some time is the fact that the city has that rule that to work for the city, you must live in the city. Obviously, a lot of people see that a lot of different ways. They've been fighting over this in the Board of Aldermen forever, it seems like. Uh, They've had more success pushing toward at least allowing police to live outside of the city. They've gotten that far. But if you want to be a garbage man in the city of St. Louis and they would love to have you, you've got to live in the city. And you wonder at what point... That becomes something they have to really take a long, hard look at. I get it. You want to support your own. City of St. Louis has a lot of people that are in need of help that are, if they're not living on the poverty line, they're pretty close to it. And from the standpoint of many on the board of aldermen, it's really important. You want to take care of your own. You want to make sure that your jobs go to the people that need them in your city. But at some point, when you've got a 15% vacancy rate, and this is 15% out of more than 5,000 jobs, 15% of those are open, at some point you got to think about doing something different. Now, I don't know if there's room in the middle for folks on the Board of Aldermen, something along the lines of allowing a job to be posted to non-city residents Once it has gone through a certain period of time and hasn't been filled by someone in the city, maybe that would work. Maybe that would be the compromise. Of course, compromise in government these days, not very easy to find. That seems to be an ongoing problem no matter where you go. I mean, we see it in national politics, but they're fighting on the board of aldermen this week. They're fighting in the St. Louis County Council. In the immortal words of Rodney King, why can't we all just get along? It really seems like we'd be getting a lot more done and the garbage issue. That's one thing in the city. Here's another thing. And I don't know what the situation is in the city of St. Louis or even in some of the other locations in the County, but I can tell you uh, in one small burg where I live in Kirkwood, we had like everybody had over the weekend, that massive storm that came through Saturday night into Sunday morning. And, being an older place with a lot of trees, there were tons and tons and tons of tree branches, limbs, even full trees down. The sound of chainsaws have been going for days now. People trying to clean up the mess. And the funny thing in Kirkwood is they, you can't just dump your branches into a bag and put them out there to be taken out. Or I know in some places like you get to fall in the city and then you just blow your leaves up to the curb and a big truck comes by and sucks them up. Well, in Kirkwood, they don't have any of that. They've got these paper bags and you buy them in packs of five and they're up to $13 for a pack of five brown paper bags. And this is how they go about paying the, paying the freight on getting all the refuse and recycling and grass and limbs and clippings and all that away. Well, my question is when you've got several pieces of several trees at half the houses in a town, they're going to give us a break on that. Or are we supposed to put a kidney up on eBay and go out and buy bags until they're sold out? Then we'd have another shortage. Something else we've been talking about a lot lately. The things you deal with, I guess on one hand, residents always get frustrated. But on the other hand, you got to feel for the people that have to make these decisions at the uh, city level because they can't seem to, they're not going to be able to please everybody. That's for certain.
1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
2: CamoX, at your service, we are back and we are talking about COVID-19. Of course, everybody's been talking about that for some time, but it seems like the last several weeks, we've been talking about how things have been fading away, dialing back. You can take off your masks once you've been vaccinated, that sort of thing. Well, now, all of a sudden, in the last week, nationally, new cases up some 150 percent in Missouri. 1,400 new cases a day, all of a sudden. And we're hearing that the most at risk are kids in many cases. Dr. David Hunstead from Barnes-Jewis joining us now to talk about how this is playing out and uh, what the latest is, really. Dr. Hunstead, thank you for joining us on KMOX.
0: George, good to talk to you. Thanks for having me.
2: Let me start with just kind of the overarching question. Did we maybe relax a little bit too soon because it seems like uh, we're seeing another wave and I'm hearing people talking about how this could go back to uh, levels not seen since last fall or last
1: spring or winter.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily, George, say that we relaxed too soon. I think um, a lot of people have been outdoors and it's summertime and that's been, you know, that's helped people to, um, you know, distance and be safer doing the activities that they're doing. I think we've been watching variants uh, emerge in different parts of the world over this time and expected that variants would emerge. And um, now that we have a variant that has become the dominant one, not only in the United States, but elsewhere, um, it's really starting to pick up in terms of its transmission rate. And it's really um, focused on the unvaccinated population primarily.
2: And, We'll, we'll delve into the unvaccinated by choice momentarily, but let's start with the unvaccinated not by choice necessarily. And those are kids under 12. Uh, what do you do with if you've got a little kid, everybody else around you is vaccinated and you have this one per, small person, maybe he's nine years old, 10 years old, uh, who is the one unvaccinated person in the crowd. How do you keep that kid safe?
0: Well, I think you actually uh, hit on the answer to that question already. So one of the ways to keep kids safe is by vaccinating those who are in their circle, in their household and among their their extended family, to vaccinate the people who are eligible for vaccine, those who are 12 and older. So with parents and, and teenagers getting vaccinated, that's a good way to actually protect the younger children for whom vaccine isn't approved yet.
2: Of course, we're about a month away from school starting and I can control my circle, but I can't control maybe 20 or 30 other circles that my youngster might be in class with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, there are a a variety of strategies that schools will have to try to limit transmission. Um, This was summarized in the CDC guidance that came out just less than a week ago now. Um, But, you know, one of those important pieces is Um, the use of masks for unvaccinated people, including kids who are too young to receive vaccines so far. Uh, I think that's going to be an important mitigation strategy. Obviously, schools and school districts, et cetera, are able to, you know, devise their own policies around this. Uh, CDC recognizes that a one-size-fits-all set of solutions is not not working for everyone. So um, I would just say stay tuned um, because, you know, schools and school districts are just now starting to you know, formulate their plans for the
2: fall. Yeah, that's only a month away before those kids are back. That's kind of got people's heads spinning a little bit. Let me go on to uh, the grownups who, for whatever reasons, are not wanting to get vaccinated. Missouri ranking toward the bottom of the states that, as far as the the vaccination rate goes, Missouri ranking toward the top of states with new cases. It varies day by day, whether we're number 50 number forty nine, number forty eight, maybe a little bit better than that, but in most cases, not much. When do you think people are going to finally get the message that they need to do this?
0: Yeah, I think you make a good point that the way that um, the cases are emerging now, um, they are definitely hitting uh, areas of the country, and this is true in other countries as well, whether where the vaccination rates are lower. Um, Missouri has some areas like that, uh, as do other states um, across the U.S., and I think, um, you know, there's lots of data now on vaccines um, that people can hopefully access to, you know, um, take care of questions they may have about vaccine safety or how effective the vaccines are. Um, Right now, you know, we're seeing a very, very small incidence of serious side effects from vaccine. Um, It's way less than the risk of long-term health effects from actually getting COVID infection. Um, And we're also, you know, just uh, trying to get the message out that people should ask uh, questions to their health care providers and other things if they have, you know, things they want to know about vaccines so that they can make that decision.
2: As a medical professional, how frustrating has the politicization Say that three times fast. The politization politicization of this. <laughs> it's political with a lot of people. As the guy can't spit it out. How frustrating has that been for you?
0: Um, you know, I won't lie and say that it hasn't been. I wish it wasn't that way. Um it is the way that it has sort of um come out in the last um, you know, year while this thing has evolved. Um, you wish it wasn't that kind of an issue. Um I'm not in control of that, so we're trying to do our best to, you know, get good information out there to everyone um, so that we can, you know, once again, try to try to reach people who may be hesitant or have questions um, so that we can improve the rates overall.
2: Well, getting back to the kids, uh, you know, as we said, about a, a month until school starts. Between now and then, there's been discussion about... Maybe younger kids will be able to get vaccinated before school starts. Are you hearing anything along those lines? And I'm not trying to put you on the spot here. I'm just wondering uh, among the medical community, is there anything floating around uh, that would indicate maybe we'll be able to get some of these younger kids vaccinated before they're back in the classroom?
0: Yeah, I'll take that in two parts. So, one is it is, you know, four or five weeks out from the beginning of the school year. So, I guess the first thing I would say is if you are 12 and older, um, you know, now is the time, if you haven't been vaccinated yet, to get your shot. Um, By the time you get your second one, it will be about time for school to start, so you'll go into the school, you're relatively protected. For the kids that are younger, you know, the vaccine companies are actively studying um, vaccine safety and efficacy in the younger age groups. Um, what I'm hearing is that it's not likely that we'll have an emergency use authorization for one of those vaccines before the start of the school year, but it's possible that it would uh, come sometime this fall. So um, I don't think it'll be before school, um, but hopefully soon we'll have, you know, data in the next younger population so we can start um, looking at rolling out vaccine to those kids.
2: Okay, Dr. David said, thank you so much for joining us and helping spread the word as we uh, try to get everybody back to a point that they can go out without a mask and not worry about things. I guess I'm sure you're looking forward to that as much as anybody.
0: For sure. Everybody wants to get back to normal. And, uh, you know, we're going to keep the masks going for a little while longer. And and once again, hopefully with vaccine, uh, we'll be able to lick this thing uh, at some point in the near future.
2: Okay, Dr. Hunstead, thank you very much for being on KMOX.
0: I appreciate the
2: time. And one more note, if you've got kiddos and want to hear more about this and hear more from Dr. Hunstead, tomorrow, July 15th at 7 o'clock on the St. Louis Children's Hospital Facebook page, they're going to do a Facebook Live talking about all things kids and COVID. If you happen to miss it, they will have it recorded on the Facebook page. They'll also have it on the St. Louis Children's Hospital YouTube, YouTube channel. It's 827 in downtown St. Louis. Camox at your service. We are back on a Wednesday night, and it has been an interesting few days. If you've been following the court case of St. Louis versus the Los Angeles Rams, once the St. Louis Rams, and that is the problem, according to lawyers and everybody else. And the St. Louis lawyers seem to keep winning bigger and bigger victories in the prelude to the trial. This week, of course, a number of very high level folks in the NFL were told. They're going to have to open the books once we get to trial. And that's getting closer and closer to get the national perspective on this. We're joined by Mike Florio from ProFootballTalk.com. Mike, thanks for joining us on KMOX. Hey,
3: great to be with you. How's everything?
2: Doing great, doing great. But I don't know if I'm doing as well as the uh, the lawyers for the city of St. Louis right now. What What is your take from the uh, hearing the folks around the league that you deal with all the time? Uh, what is your take on this and what's the buzz?
3: Well, the way it works when you get involved in civil litigation and the parties that are hashing it out want to get access to financial information that isn't public, the people whose financial information is being pursued will fight and scratch and claw and do everything they can to keep that information from coming out, especially when the people have a lot of money, a lot of holdings, a lot of financial worth that could be probed into and potentially leaked in some way. So. It's a huge win for the plaintiffs to get a ruling requiring that information to be produced. And when you look at the reasoning, it becomes somewhat stunning because in order to produce that information, the judge had to conclude that there was enough evidence on which a jury could eventually base a finding that fraud had been committed by the persons whose financial information must be turned over, whether it's the commissioner, Roger Goodell. Stan Crawford, the owner of the Rams, Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys, Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, John Mara, the co-owner of the Giants. So there's within that decision a finding that there's reason to believe these folks said or did things they should not have said or done that injure the interests of the St. Louis plaintiffs. So that's what makes it even more compelling to me. And, uh, you know, and and now we wait because the judges left the door open for the financial information for the rest of the owners to potentially be discoverable by the plaintiffs. And this is all relevant because in order to determine an award of punitive damages, if it gets to that and punitive damages means a separate payment over and above whatever it takes to compensate the person who was harmed by wrongdoing, to determine the right amount of punitive damages, you have to know how much money the person who's paying the punitive damages has because you have to figure out what it's going to take to punish that person. And the more someone has, the more it takes to get them to basically realize, I shouldn't have done that, and I'm not going to do it again.
2: So, in other words, they're looking at Jerry Jones' bank account, Stan Kroenke's bank account, Robert Kraft, and they're deciding, okay, how much will really make it hurt?
3: Yeah, a million dollars to one person is going to mean a lot less than it does to another person. I mean, a million dollars to someone who has multiple billions, is nothing so what does it take if and when they find that there was culpability you have to find that there's culpability you have to find that there are significant financial losses that need to be rectified but then after you do that if there is grounds to punish the whole idea is by creating extra damages above whatever the harm was you you properly punish the people who did something they shouldn't have done and it it basically serves as a warning to anyone out there that we don't tolerate this kind of behavior in a civilized society.
2: So how nervous are these NFL owners at this point? Are you hearing any buzz along those lines?
3: Well, I haven't heard anything yet, but I don't need to hear anything. I heard one thing from someone who has very extensive knowledge of how the NFL and its owners operate. And I think it's an excellent point. The case is now more likely to settle. And, and Stan Kroenke is already responsible to pay whatever financial losses may arise from this part of the package that he negotiated to get what he wanted, which was the move to Los Angeles, obviously. But if I'm Robert Kraft or Jerry Jones or John Mara or Roger Goodell, I'm activating the the uh, the button right now to say to Stan, hey, you've got to get this case settled. And if they had tried to settle it before this ruling, the case has has one price that it would take to make it go away. After this ruling, the price goes up. And that may be the problem. That may be the impediment. The, the plaintiffs in this case may now look at it and say, whoa, 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 whoa. Whatever we would have taken before Monday, we're, we're not doing that now. We've got a tiger by the tail, and we're going to hold on as long as we can. So that's where it gets really interesting how much money will Stan Kroenke gladly turn over to make this go away. And, and now, given that ruling, it's going to take a lot more than it would have taken before this week.
2: Now, speaking of the interests here in St. Louis, I did reach out to Chris Bauman, who's the attorney representing the folks here against the Rams. He declined comment on the story right now, says that they're going to stick to what's going on in the courtroom. But you wonder what the end game really is here, Mike, as far as is it a money thing? Is it some kind of leverage to get another team in St. Louis, potentially? What do you think?
3: Well, that's one way to possibly settle it. Now, here's the problem with staying Kroenke on the hook to pay for everything, it's not the same leverage as it would be in a different case. Remember when the Browns moved to Baltimore and there was some saber rattling there about possible litigation against Art Modell in the NFL. Part of the resolution was that Cleveland gets a new team and Cleveland gets to continue to be the Browns and the records stay and the colors stay and everything else stays. Otherwise the Baltimore Browns would have won a couple of Super Bowls over the past 20 some years. <laughs> So that's in play, but I don't know that, that that's something that anyone's going to want to commit to when it's easier for the ownership to just say to Stan Kroenke, this is your mess, you go clean it up.
2: It'll be interesting to see just how much money that could end up being, because uh, I mean, are we talking about the possibility of billions here?
3: I don't know about billions. I mean, at some point... You, 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 you've got to be reasonable even when you do have a tiger by the tail you, you can't you can't overplay your hand to the point that it all blows up in your face but i think it would make sense right now to get a mediator and i was involved in many of these during the years i practiced law on either side and as the mediator get somebody who is an experienced lawyer a former judge someone who comes in and the parties come together, and if everybody approaches that process in good faith with an intent to to just put this behind us, something happens in that conversation during that process where all the emotion strips away, all the hard feelings strip away. People decide, you know what, we got better things to do with our time. Let's work this out today. And as that mediator, the the mediator can, can speak hard truths to the lawyers on each side in the presence of their clients to get them to understand what they have to do to make this right from either perspective, what you should accept, what you should pay, and I think it would make sense if on the league to do that sooner rather than later. But you know, the problem is the NFL can be pretty stubborn when it thinks it's right, and people who have power and money, when they're told something they don't want to hear, they, they they're not inclined to say okay. They're inclined <laughs> to say you're wrong, and we're going to keep fighting. So you know, the NFL I'm sure still has more tools in the bag before it gives up on this, but. I, I just, I, if I'm if I'm one of these guys that is looking at a court order, but I've got to give someone access to all this financial information that I have so carefully and successfully guarded, and I know that Stan's the guy who's responsible, I'm telling Stan, you, okay, the time has arrived to make this go away.
2: Of course, there are a lot of people here in St. Louis who would like nothing better than for all of these bigwigs to have to open their books and have all it analyzed and maybe be embarrassed by it. And that might be payment enough for some folks in this town. What is your prediction? Do you think they settle before the books open or do you think it goes on beyond that?
3: I, I suspect that if folks are reasonable and fair minded they'll recognize that the best thing to do at this point is settle the case and move on. And if the folks in St. Louis are holding out hope for an expansion franchise at some point down the road, and I firmly believe after the NFL moves to 18 regular season games and then wants to continue to expand the inventory of games, it will add teams. I think that conversation is coming in the next five to seven years. I think if you're St. Louis, you want to be in a position where where you can be one of those those cities. So the sooner this gets put to bed and put behind everyone the sooner that that st louis could be made an attractive option because it is one of the attractive options if the nfl is going to expand from 32 teams and i firmly believe at some point sooner rather than later in the big scheme of things not in like you know a few years but within 10 years i won't be surprised if the nfl doesn't expand and 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 it's, it's better to have all this over and done with if st louis wants to get another team
2: all right, well, Mike Florio, ProFootballTalk.com. Thank you so much for joining us here on Camo All
3: right, sure. Thanks. Take care.
2: It's 8.43. I'm George Sells, Camo X at your service. Coming up on 848 in the evening, Camo X at your service. I'm George Sells. Most of the time you'd be listening to Cardinal Baseball on a Wednesday night at this hour, but not tonight. All-Star break, finishing through. Players taking a break, so gives us a chance to get together and talk about all the goings-on in and around St. Louis. Now, we started the show talking about the fact that the city of St. Louis is short people in their refuse division, and therefore they're going to be mixing the recycling and the non-recycling together. That is just one example of many, many examples when it comes to the... Lack of workers out there right now. We've had this conversation before uh, on these airwaves and in many other places, but it is a real issue from the restaurant business, the landscaping business, cities, you name it. They're having trouble finding people and putting them together with jobs. It may go both ways because there is a big job fair tomorrow being put on by Job News USA, And we are joined now, right now by Rick Kruckemeyer. He is the vice president of sales for Job News USA. And, Rick, we thank you for joining us on KMOX tonight. George, thanks for having me. Well, Rick, tell me, uh, you know, job fairs you usually think of when you have a high unemployment rate. We've got just the opposite problem right now. Well, it's
4: been uh, a a crazy time since COVID hit, you know, with the the lockdown, particularly in, in the hospitality business. A lot of people have left that industry, and since things are reopening again, they found other jobs that were Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, and now they can spend time with their families and have a Friday and Saturday night you know, with their family, where for the last several years they weren't able to do that. So there's, that created a huge shortage in the restaurant and hospitality business.
2: But I look here at the uh, lineup of the folks who are going to be at your fair in uh, Maryland Heights, and wow, I mean everything from Drury Hotels, I Care Partners, FedEx Ground, General Motors, Wentzville Assembly Plant, uh, just to name a few. This is going beyond the the maybe the the, the minimum wage and a little bit above, above jobs that you might think about normally uh, with some job fairs. Uh, there are a lot of companies that are looking for some people to help.
4: Yeah, these are top notch companies and. You know, if, if you, the whole spectrum of um, people are going to be there, obviously we chatted about hospitality, but healthcare big shortage of RNs, LPNs, uh, manufacturing, warehouse. You know, think of everything being shipped, um, coming through warehouses and distribution centers, uh, customer service, retail, sales, security. We have all those positions available tomorrow. And, you know, you've heard the politicians arguing on both sides about the federal minimum wage. You know, I think in the state of Missouri, it's 7.80 or something right now, and you know they want to do a 15 dollars an hour We don't have to have pass a law to have that happen. The market has created that right now, George, and most of the uh, of our clients uh, are paying in the 13, 14, 15 an hour range, and they're also including pretty good signing bonuses and other incentives to come to work for you. So if you're thinking this is a minimum wage uh, event, you know, if you're sitting at home, you know, come see us tomorrow. Uh, If if you feel like you're underemployed, meaning you're not happy with what you do, come see us tomorrow. Because there's 63 companies there looking to fill, you know, decent paying jobs and with great benefits and great career opportunities.
2: Tell me this. Another thing that we've been hearing in the the political back and forth, there was a lot of criticism about the concept of the federal government throwing in extra money on the unemployment funds and allowing people to, in some cases, take home or bring home more than they were getting working by just staying there and collecting unemployment. Now, that was disputed by a lot of people. Uh, it was... Here in Missouri, we're one of many states where they went ahead and cut that extra money out. and it seems like it's being proven that that wasn't really the case because it looks like you've got, still got a decent sense of desperation amongst the uh, people that work for, that you're working for.
4: Well, I can tell you since the, since federal unemployment uh, deal in, in the state of Missouri ended, what was it a couple of weeks ago? Uh, a big part of our business is also online digital advertising, recruitment, and we're seeing an uptick in the number of people that are applying for these jobs. And so we'll see tomorrow on the number of job seekers that show up uh, to the event. But, you know, it's time. It's time to find uh, something that you're going to be able to do for the next 3, 5, 10 years. And, you know, if you look at the list, like I said, we have 63 employers there tomorrow. And they're all willing to pay and they're all will, willing to pay handsomely and have nice bonuses, incentives, great benefits early on. And so, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a good event. So think about if you're a, a job seeker, you know, instead of ticking around online looking for different jobs, come out tomorrow. You can walk around that room in 90 minutes and get to visit with 63 different employers and see what's out
3: there.
2: I was in a restaurant not long ago and they had the sign up saying if you are waiting for a table and you see empty tables, please don't get mad at us. We don't have enough staffing to have all the tables served. And I thought that was kind of a microcosm of this whole thing. And I guess my final question for you here uh, as we get moving toward the end of our time together is when does this finally give? This has to break at some point, doesn't it?
4: Well, you know, again, the market always dictates everything, and whether it's it's the the wage and and the bonus paid, you know, eventually people are going to have, you know, because the one other caveat in all this is, you know, the the child the child tax credit that is being advanced by the federal government to be paid out, I think, at the end of this month, that what would, you would have got as part of your normal two thousand. Uh, In 21 tax returns is being paid up front. And then the Board of Aldermen in the city of St. Louis are debating giving $500 to 10,000 people. So I think it's going to start washing through and uh, people are going to realize that, hey, there's some, the market has forced these companies to pay a livable wage. And so I I think it's going to, over the next several months, people are going to realize that, hey, I can make a decent living. I can get bonuses to sign on. I can get good benefits instead of having to wait 60, 90 days. A lot of these companies are doing the benefits right up front. And so I think it's going to worse through by the fall. All but right. um, it, it's certainly been an interesting 15 months.
2: Interesting. That's the understatement of the night. Rick, thank you so much. Once again, it's the JobNewsUSA.com job fair tomorrow From 10 to 2 at Orlando's Event and Conference Center, that's 2050 Dorset Village in Maryland Heights. You can go to JobNewsUSA.com to get more details. And, uh, Rick, again, thank you so much for joining us tonight on KMOX.
1: George, thanks for having me. We'll be back. It's 855. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio.